Welcome to Thursday Throwback, the day of the week we revisit some of the Joyful Courage podcasts from The Vault, shows that have gone out into the world and made a big impact on listeners. It's the day of the week where I get to share some of my favorite previous guests that you may have missed or forgotten about because it's been a minute. Keep in mind that you may hear some promotions and offers that are outdated during these shows. Let those mentions go and just enjoy the wisdom of these powerful world changers. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 98. Beware, there's a couple of swear words. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for information and inspiration on the parenting journey. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer and parent coach. And as always, I am really excited that you are listening in. Make sure that you hang around and listen after the interview. I have some really special offers and calls to action that I do not want you to miss out on. If you find yourself laughing, taking notes, or excited about what you hear on the show today, if you're doing that head nod like, oh, yes, 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 do me a favor and pay it forward. Share this episode with your friends, family, neighbors, strangers at the gas station. Your sharing is the reason I'm able to show up for you each week, and I am deeply honored to do so. And I also want to give full permission if you feel like there's something you just got to tell me, a takeaway that was really powerful for you always know that you can email me directly at Casey at joyfulcourage.com. My guest today is Carrie Foreman. Carrie is a registered psychotherapist. I love that word, psychotherapist. (laughs) (laughs) With With her master's in clinical mental health counseling. She is passionate about mindfulness and has been practicing and teaching for four years. Carrie lives in Monument, Colorado with her patient husband, a teenager, a tween, and two rescue dogs, Norman and Fern. Carrie was raised in a college town in Indiana and after a chaotic childhood, moved out on her own at age 16. She learned to be a fighter through some tough life lessons. Through using mindfulness to increase her self-awareness, she has realized how she can learn and practice well, that she had learned and was practicing faulting coping, faulty coping skills during her childhood and has targeted them one by one, slowly changing the cycles of her family. Oh, that so resonates with me. She's learning new behaviors and working to create new positive habits for life. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. You you probably know I've been um, listening and watching to you for watching you for a while. So I'm Yay. excited to be here. Yay! Well, will you fill in the gaps a little bit? So I mean, reading your bio, Carrie, so many people, myself, and so many people I work with, it feels like parenting is really a, about just what you said. It's about reprogramming ourselves, rewiring habits and behaviors that may have kept us safe, that may have, quote, helped us to cope. But now Mm -hmm. we're in these relationships with our partners and our children, and they're not so helpful. So will you fill in some more gaps around like what, what, what has been your journey? Yeah. So I did not go back to school for counseling until my late thirties and, um, did a myriad of other things before this. Um, but I had my son at age 30. So I 
had about six or seven years of parenting under my belt when I went back to school for counseling. Um, and until that, those first six or seven years, I just felt like I was going on a map that I had been given as a child, you know, not really given, but what I was following right. as a child. And I knew from looking around me, from looking at my cousins and my family of origin and you know anybody in my family extended or immediate that that's not really what i wanted to do because all of us in our own way were trying to create change in our lives because it was much needed change mm-hmm. um i come from one of those families that yes there was physical abuse but the biggest issue was verbal, emotional, psychological stuff Mm -hmm. going on that was creating, um, it was conditioning me to react in certain ways um, and keeping me from responding. Because what I didn't know is there's these patterns that emerge in your house. And they, for me, my three main emotional patterns growing up were um, shame, guilt, and anger. Mm-hmm. I could, if I have to just pick three, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but those are those, the three main ones. And those three patterns kept me kind of sick. And I didn't really realize that I was just on this path of reacting until I had my first child. Mm-hmm. And when he started to search for his own identity and, and his own little personality was starting to emerge that was not dictated by me, I started to struggle with what I now see as kind of wanting to shut that down. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I hate saying that out loud, but it's it's wanting to shut it down so that he understands this is the path that he has to take. This mm. is the right path, not the one you want. Right. And um, I did my best in those early years. I, I said to... Uh, some members of my family on an ongoing basis, I'm choosing to parent differently. I'm choosing to parent differently when they would give me the look because he talked back to me right. or he said something disrespectful. My my kid has a mouth. So <laughs> my oldest has a mouth. Um, they both do, but the oldest for sure. And I kept trying to throw things at it that would help to steer him in a different direction. But I wasn't really sure what I was doing, to be honest with you, until I went back to school and learned more about developmental stages and, um, you know, just different ways to actually respond instead of react. So hopefully that fills in the gaps a little bit about how I decided to make this change. Um, I'm a first generation college graduate, let alone, uh, you know, graduate school. Mm-hmm. And I just decided my kids' lives are not going to look like mine did in the early years. Right. Well, and what landed for me in your share there, Carrie, was that, you know, we 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 decide we're, we're having children and it's going to be different. And then like you say, their little personalities emerge and they are on their own mission to explore the world. And I think that's the place where so many of us have that, oh my gosh, 
If we're aware enough to recognize, oh my gosh, all the things I said I wasn't going to do are inside of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I, yeah. And that, I mean, because I had that exact experience as well. And, and it came with one, surprisingly, a lot of compassion for my parent. Yeah. Because it was like, wow, <laughs> this is like, uh, this is, I mean, it almost feels like an out of body. It, it can feel like an out of body experience when you're on that roller coaster versus, so I had that compassion, but then it was also like, but if this was their experience, why did they not say, whoa, I've got mm-hmm. to figure out something different. So once I moved through my own forgiveness around that, mm-hmm. you know, and just made it a my mission to learn more and grow and expand and look at my own stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I took the nurturing feeling that I have towards my children. Mm -hmm. And when I became a parent, I tried to transfer that to my own parents Mm -hmm. and think of them as kids. Mm -hmm. And I know one thing I know for absolute sure is my mom wanted very different for us than what she had Mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. And I, I almost said, believe it or not, but you don't know every detail of my childhood, but, but <laughs> believe it or not, she believed she was doing that right. when she was raising us. So I have no animosity. Mm-hmm. I I love my parents for everything they hoped to be and I will create change and change cycles. Yeah. So I've been getting groceries from Hungry Root for the last few months, and I am loving it. I use it to keep healthy snacks in the house, and I also order a few meal kits that are easy go-tos during the week. What I love is the variety that shows up in the box. Crunchy snacks, sweets, breakfast smoothies, whatever I've clicked as wanting comes to my door. My dietary wishes are different than my family's. The boys, Ben and Ian, they're always trying to build muscle and gain weight. I am not. Hungry Root gives so many options. It meets all of our needs. In our last box, we got cilantro lime chicken with jasmine rice, and it literally took me seven minutes to put together. Listen, after working all day and doing all the things for the fam, seven minutes to throw together dinner works for me. And the ingredients are good, like high quality good. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Save hours of planning, shopping, and cooking. Let Hungry Root deliver the food you love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Joyful Courage podcast listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash joy and get 40% off your first delivery and those free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash joy. Don't forget to use our link so that they know we sent you. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every 
meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Yay, I'm so excited that we're having this conversation today. And you, part of your offer is really this mindfulness piece. So today on the show, listeners, you are gonna get the treat of listening to Carrie and I digging in to what it means to be grounded. And how does that, if we're talking about these old patterns that were the change, the new, you know, creating change, creating a new cycle, how does being grounded fit into that? Mm. Um, being grounded. I, I started it because I did my practicum at a mindfulness center in Denver and um, always considered myself to be so open-minded, joked that I'm the hippie of my town <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, went to this mindfulness center and was like, oh, okay okay, I'm clearly like the most conservative one in the room here. So <laughs> I felt very out of um, out of my element, even though that's how I pictured myself. And they, they immersed us every day in a mindfulness practice, every week in environment of sanity, all these wonderful, amazing tools that I didn't realize were changing my patterns, my conditioning, and the fiber of who I was. Even, I mean, this was at the end of my schooling. Mm -hmm. I had been taught all these different counseling theories. I had been taught how to hold space, all these amazing things. And the most important piece for anybody to create change, in my mind, is to be aware of your own inner state of being. Yes. Oh, preach it. Yeah. And they never taught that. They, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't even mentioned in my program, which I think was a fabulous program, but it was never even mentioned. So what started happening after about six months, I it, we do two different practicums. So this was a very long practicum. What started happening after about six months is I started noticing my relationships were different. Mm. Um, my relationship with my husband felt more enriched my relationship with my children was more respectful. It was just different. And I, it was a different that I loved and I craved and I wanted more of. And um, the only way I could explain it was I felt grounded. And, you know, if we talk about being grounded, yeah. it's, the, it's the ability to maintain balance 
and presence of mind no matter what is happening around us. So let's tease that out, okay? Okay. Because Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, for people like you who have had all this experience and I've had some experience too with mindfulness and meditation. So for somebody that's listening, like balance and what did you say? Presence of mind? Yeah. What is that in your experience? How do you experience, what does balance feel like in your body, Carrie? Mm, God, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, Balance in my body feels like noticing. It feels like, ah, and, and see mindfulness gurus hate this word. They will say that control has nothing to do with mindfulness. The mindfulness is about letting go of control. Mm-hmm. For me, somebody who struggles with anxiety, mindfulness actually uh, signifies control, to be honest with you. It's, mm-hmm. For me, it's the ability to be aware of my own inner state of being, a really high awareness, have accountability Mm -hmm. for what that means for me and compassion and empathy for myself so that it can then spill over onto the people that I love. Mm. So in my body, it does feel like control, Casey. And believe me, I have had many a debate online mm-hmm. <laughs> with, people, with mindfulness experts when I say the word control. But I think for us lay people, and I consider myself a lay person because I don't like the word expert, um, I don't want a guru on a mountain. Mm-hmm. I want a mom in a kitchen. I want somebody who can say to me, this is what it feels like. It feels like I'm really hyper aware, sometimes too aware of that right now my heart is beating fast. And I know for me, that means an anxious place. Mm -hmm. I am very aware that right now my thoughts are, let's say I was just triggered by something my son said, or my daughter said, um, that I'm very aware that my thoughts were just triggered by what he said. Right. And now I have the need, my accountability is I feel the need to stop him or right. redirect him or have control of the situation because I have fear. Right. And that fear, I know that I have it because my heart is beating fast and my jaw is tight and my shoulders are scrunched. It's just a really deep knowing of who I am physically Mm-hmm. So I know my warning system really well and a really deep knowing of what kind of thoughts I have on a regular basis and which ones I should believe and which ones are stories that I'm telling myself. Yeah. And the word that's coming up for me is release. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. the like the cuz I have that same kind of experience, right? So and and I talk about it on the podcast a lot and with my clients it's that noticing the signals that my body gives me when I'm about to really let it go and I get hot and I get tingly and I get tight and typically I'm angry or resentful and the self-talk is everybody is to blame. Yes, and I'm not. Right, and and I'm the victim. Yes. (laughs) How could they be doing this to me? I, yeah. Yes. And the stuff that go, the stuff that I say to myself sometimes is ridiculous. Yeah. It really is. I I fully admit that, especially 
it usually comes when my husband and I are disagreeing, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. It doesn't come as much with my kids anymore because I found a really great place for that. It doesn't mean I don't get upset, sure. but I have found a, a good place for it. My husband, I think because he's an adult and in my brain, the story I tell myself is I expect more. I expect him to communicate on this level right. and I expect him to respond with full awareness before he says something to me and all these things that I expect. Right. And I fail to expect those same things of myself. Right. Well, and I feel like too, so so in that triggered body that I was just mentioning, when I think about, okay, grounding, I always go first to my like posture even, just like feet on the floor pull back the, release the shoulders, but it's like release to me, like releasing the story, releasing the emotion. Um, Yeah. yeah. What it really is, is releasing the control. Even though if you struggle with anxiety, it can Mm -hmm. make you feel like you have more control. Right. Got it. So it's this juxtaposition. And that's what I'm saying is it does make me feel like I have more control of the situation but that's the end result. It's mm-hmm. actually releasing the control that leads me to that feeling. I, I know it's kind of convoluted, but it's that's okay. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. It's the knowledge that in any one moment, I really have no control. None. Right. None. Yeah. And I, it's similar to that feeling. I'm also scared of, uh, I don't like to fly. So, so I always took Valium to fly, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, and now I use mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that the sinking into, I have no control on a flight. Somebody else is in complete control. That can feel wildly out of control if you let your anxiety go crazy. Or if you are mindful and you are grounded, that can feel like the most control you've ever had because you accept that you have zero control and you stop flailing around trying to get it. You stop. Right. You, are you okay with cussing? <laughs> I can mark it as explicit. Okay. Yeah. Get you, get your shit together. Uh, and yes. it's, it's that feeling of, you know, I, I can't even remember what I was going to say, but the word was ass. That's all I know. <laughs> it's, it's the feeling that, you know, I, I want to have control of all of this, but if I just understand that I own zero control, then I'm able to have this physical release in my body, which then allows my thoughts to release. Well, and I was just responding to somebody kind of about similar to this, the mindset, like except for the context was time and time Mm -hmm. crunch. And five minutes is five minutes. And we can experience five minutes as, oh my gosh, there's not enough time. Now you're crying. You don't know where your stuff is. Get it together. Let's go. I can't, you know, and all the emotion and the physical sensation and the triggering that shows up with that. Or the mindset could be five minutes. Great. We've got five minutes. Yeah. We have plenty of time. And it's a whole different energy that we create inside. And so when I think about back to that control piece, like, yes, like our out experiences, events and experiences, we don't have control over. However, we can influence our internal experience and influencing our internal experience results in 
a whole different external experience or can anyway. Often we'll talk about how our history is what shows up in our most triggered moments, which we've kind of just touched on and it can get in our way mm-hmm. of being clear and staying connected and staying and and being grounded. Like you mentioned in, a little bit ago, sometimes we hear the chatter and we hear it as our truth versus just our conditioning or our patterns. We use, what are your thoughts about this? Space for awareness of that if you've never had it brought into your awareness. I mean, the our conditioning is called conditioning for that reason. It's because there isn't awareness that, oh, there might be a different way. What if this was true instead of what I'm telling myself? Mm-hmm. And we don't even take that second in, in our world now, especially because we have electronics in front of us so often and we're constantly glorifying doing, doing, doing. We don't have a lot of moments to just be. And in those moments where we can just be, we can hear our thoughts and we can take the time to question our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe 95% of us are not questioning our own thoughts. I believe that too. And it's, you know, and sometimes, and even in my own personal practice, like there's times where I can be really reflective on what's happening. And then there's the autopilot, right? That can Mm -hmm. show up and always connected to how I'm sleeping, how I'm eating, how I'm moving my body. If I'm taking time, like you just mentioned, to create space for stillness. Mm -hmm. Because when those things get out of whack, that's when I notice my own autopilot showing up. Yeah. Well, and I always say to clients, um, you know, if you have real high awareness of your of your body and your thoughts and your mind in general, then you notice when you're ch- triggered throughout mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens to that energy? If if you if you're triggered throughout the day, let's say at work, and you can't do anything about it, maybe it's your boss, and you can't say something back to them. You can't be disrespectful. You don't want to push back. What happens to that energy? That energy gets released when you get home, right? And it doesn't get released in a positive way usually. So being grounded as it pertains to how we behave with our spouse and how we behave or you know, significant other in general, or how we behave with our children, if you don't have that high awareness of when you're triggered, what your thoughts are, what's happening in your body, then maybe you get home and you just let it fly and you don't stop and think, you know what? I was triggered all day at work. Mm -hmm. I was anxious and pissed off all day at work. What happened to that energy? Maybe I need to walk when I get home before I interact with my people that I love, or maybe I need to hit the gym or Maybe I just need to sit and be still and raise my awareness before I interact. Right. Well, and I also think, you know, there's that, but also, you know, I know for me when things feel really cluttered or, um, again, here's the control word again, when things start to feel like they're spiraling out of my control and chaos starts to show up, I really slip into rigidity. And I, I think it comes from the modeling that I had, which was 
it, it, it didn't, when things became chaotic, it felt unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so there's this underlying preservation, you know, self-preservation trigger that happens for me. And that's when it, and even like, gosh, and I, I did better the last time I was in the airport. I have, I'm fine with flying, but stepping into the airport, Ugh, I oh know. my gosh. I, and the kids joke about it. They're like, okay, everyone, mom's going to become a freak in about five minutes when we walk in the airport. <laughs> so we're all, you know, we know what's coming. And the last time I was there, I actually said to the kids, I was like, you know what? How about I choose something different? I'm mm. going to choose something different and I'm going to be different in the airport today and see what happens. And I mean, oh my gosh, Carrie, it was unbelievable. The path that, op like it was literally, I mean, it wouldn't have been surprising if some, you know, fairy angel person came down with the, like, ah, like this <laughs> glowing path. Like here's the path of absolutely no resistance all the way to right? the gate. Simply because I had shifted, I had decided uh -huh. to be different, to be aware right? And to be in the practice of connected to myself, connected to the kids, connected to the experience versus, oh, this is how it always is in the airport. So I'm just going to be this way. And I'm going to like, let it take me down the crazy freight train of the crazy town, because that's yeah. just how it is in the airport. Right. Your conditioning from the airport leads you to make assumptions just like it does in life. Your yeah. conditioning from childhood leads you to make assumptions about things that aren't always true. And it's it's the same, you know, we can trick our brain, that anxiety, we can actually trick our brain into believing that what it's feeling when it's feeling anxiety is actual excitement instead. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating. That's so, I'm such a neuroscience geek, but that, that piece is so fascinating to me. And that's all you did. You tricked your brain into believing that this was, a fun outing yeah. that this was going to be, you know, you were with your kids and you were with your partner and, and that this could be a positive experience. Therefore you created a positive experience. Yeah. Reframe. Yes. Yeah. I love and that it, too. Is it true that the body experiences stress and excitement as the same kind of the same sensations, right? Yes. It's our thoughts. That's yeah. that piece. That's the piece. It's I probably because I came to it late in life. I can't shut up about the brain. I it love is, the brain. It's fascinating. Oh so God. good. Yes, it's so fascinating. My kids are so sick of it. And <laughs> mine so too. I'm like, don't do that until you're 25, because that's when your brain's fully developed. Okay. Oh, I said <laughs> the other day to my I saw that you and I have the exact same age kids, but my <laughs> my 14-year-old is a boy. He's getting mm -hmm. ready to turn 15, and my 11 year old's a girl. I said to him the other day, we were having a talk about marijuana because we yep. live in Colorado. And we live in Washington. Okay, perfect. Same conversations, I'm mm -hmm. sure. And I had the conversation. I'm very even keeled. Listen, I, I won't get into it. But my conversation was, your brain is still pruning. So, and I used that word, Casey. I said pruning. Right. I lost all credibility in that moment. Oh my gosh. So please wait until you're 25 yeah. because your brain is still pruning. Yeah. And by the way, if you want to wait that long to get a driver's license, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Just my 14-year-old yes. is on like the countdown for driver's oh. license. And I'm just, oh gosh, like it, it, 
And I don't know about you, but I am I am I'm I'm on on the daily, I am surprised by how I am experiencing being a parent of a teenager. You know, I mean, there's the things you expect, but then then you're in it and it's there's there's a lot of wonderful, there's so much good. And then there's these moments of like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was gonna be like this. <laughs> Right. And is it that we didn't realize or is it that it's so much more than we right. thought? Right. Like you can't know it until you're in it. And then you're uh, in it and it's like, whoa, you cannot read about this in a book. It's not the same as reading a story. It's you're in it. And it's, um, we talk about a great, you know, I often will say our kids are our teachers. And my daughter, who's my oldest, has always been my teacher from the very beginning. And I've said this, I come from a long line of oldest daughters. The oldest child is the daughter with controlling moms. And a long, I mean, I don't even know how far back it goes. And, And it's not any different for Rowan and I. And I am fully aware of my tendency, my conditioning towards that. And it's, again, she's my teacher because she stands up and she's like, no, that's not how it's going to be. You know, and I get to bump up against like, what do I, I, like, I want to go, like, it's amazing how quickly I want to go into fear and intimidation. Me too. I think on (sighs) the daily, I actually come from the exact same uh, pattern as that. I don't mm-hmm. even, pattern's not the word I want to use, but it controlling moms and um, firstborn being mm-hmm. a girl mm-hmm. <clears throat> and a lot of dysfunction with the women in my family as far back as I can see. And so when I, I was terrified to have a daughter mm-hmm. um, and she's my youngest, but I see the difference in how I've parented, how I parented her from the beginning Mm -hmm. and how I parented my oldest from the beginning, because my oldest from the beginning, I wanted a lot more control. Mm -hmm. And that's what came um, natural to me. And my youngest, who happens to be a girl, I didn't, I didn't exercise as much control. And she is um, a lot less fearful. Mm -hmm a lot less fearful. You mentioned driving. My oldest has no desire to drive. He he is perfectly fine waiting as long as possible to drive. And, and you make that disgusted sound because yours (laughs) wants, because yours wants to drive. I'm so envious. (laughs) Yes, I know because yours wants to drive so early, but think about this. I did that to him. I did that to him because I was fearful. I had a lot of anxiety when he was young. And so my fears became his fears. And life is, you know, life is not safe and things are not to be trusted and you must be careful and don't step on that. And, and nope, don't walk on the rocks across, take the safe way. And so he's scared of heights and he is not dying to drive and um, gets frustrated with himself when he's nervous and I'm hoping that does not translate into rebellion at some point because, you know, when you get frustrated with yourself for being nervous, then you just want to try everything. Yeah, then it becomes like, screw it. I'm just going to yeah. do it. And those, yeah. they're little, speaking of brains, those, the taking risk portion, developing quicker than the risk assessment portion. Yes, oh gosh. it's almost like I know too much now right. because instantly when he says he's not excited to drive, I'm like, I did that to him. I know exactly where that came from which isn't helpful. 
In, well, in, and it gives you a lot of credit. I mean, you got to, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> you're so right. Ego. Because so I do right. the same thing and it's, you know, it's amazing how quickly I make everything about me. <laughs> I love that. You're so stinking right. That's hysterical. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Well, let's bring it back to this whole concept of being grounded. So whether your kids are teens or school age or toddlers and the stuff's coming up, right? You're having those triggered moments, you know, in, in the moment, what is, what is being grounded, right? Mm-hmm. What does being grounded mean, and, and what does it look like in the practice, I guess? What are some steps? So if listeners are like, okay, this is really fun to listen to Casey and Carrie talking about their kids. <laughs> I know that it is. Thank you, listeners. Um, but if we're going to like offer some tips, right? Yeah. I mean, one thing I always say is practicing being grounded is not, you don't save it for the moments that you need it. Right. Yeah. So my, um, I like to think of it And I like to explain it when I'm very first starting to teach mindfulness Mm -hmm. to clients. I have this brain board and I bring out Amy the amygdala. Oh, nice. (laughs) And yes. And 
Amy, the amygdala, I explain how she is. I used to call her fat, but my sister was like, really? Now my amygdala is fat too? So I changed it to hot. And when Amy is hot, she can't think rationally. Mm -hmm. She's just hot and pissed off and going crazy and creating chaos all around her and saying things she can't take back and reacting. And if we can keep Amy cool on an ongoing basis, and we'll do that with the tips that that I'll suggest here in a second, um, then when the time comes, when your big moment, when the Olympics are here, Mm -hmm. you are ready. So when your child says something super sassholy or (laughs) snarky, then you aren't having to talk yourself down in the moment. You're not having to go lock yourself in the bedroom, which I have done. Mm -hmm. You're not having to do that in order to be presentable again. All my kids see, and I'm probably way too verbal with them on an ongoing basis, but all my kids actually see when they react to me is my face changes a little. I go into my head a little bit. I literally think what is happening inside of me right now? Did I come to them upset? Did I come to them with a tone? I, I, I go to me and again, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's accountability yes. in my mind. How did I come to them? How did I say those words to them? Are they assuming something from the way I sounded? Mm-hmm. First of all. Second of all, what can I be accountable for in this conversation? Third of all, I love you too much to argue. That's mm. a that's a Dr. Dan Siegel. I don't oh, know if yeah. you've him. Oh, yes. Ugh, we talk about him. him a lot yes. on the podcast. So love him. Dan Siegel's, uh, you know, go-to phrase is, I love you too much to argue. Mine is, I love you too much to argue, but also I'm going to love him through it. I'm going to love him through it. That's mm-hmm. constantly what I repeat in my head because let's be honest, some stuff that comes out of a teenager's head is ridiculous that comes out of their mouth. I mean, they say things that you're like, who raised this kid? Are you kidding me? What family are you from? But it's important that you don't undermine them in that way. It's important that you don't constantly- It's not helpful, yeah. No, it's it's contributing to the problem, not to the solution. So because my amygdala is on a continuous cool cycle- then I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for it. And the way that I keep it on that cycle for me specifically and what I teach my clients, and again, I will say a million times, it's different for everybody, Mm -hmm. but what I teach and what I practice on a daily basis is, um, number one, first thing in the morning when I get up, I don't turn my phone on immediately. That creates a place of anxiety in me. Yes. I know myself well enough to know that. So I don't turn it on immediately. I do make coffee immediately. But then I I head into the living room and I create about 10 minutes of just, where is my head this morning? How does my body feel? Where is my head? What does my brain want to think about this morning? So mm-hmm. I just create a, a place of awareness in the mornings. Um I know everybody's schedule is different. Mine allows for a morning hike or a morning walk. I'm in the Rocky Mountains, so I love to hike. Um, I try and get a hike in at least five days a week. If it's if it's not a hike, it's a walk. It's some kind of bilateral stimulation where I'm working both sides of my body mm-hmm. because we know 
that this processes things quicker. So if I have uh, trauma or if I have, you know, some type of chaos that is stuck in my brain, because mm-hmm. I believe chaos and trauma get stuck there, then bilateral stimulation every single day is helping that process out. We also know it releases endorphins and all that. kinds. Yeah, it's the dopamine dump. I have mm-hmm. a great feeling when I'm done. I work really hard on loving my life, mm-hmm. on, on loving what I get to do. I never say I have to work. I always say I get to work it, because I've done the jobs that are a nightmare. I've, I've done the jobs where I'm wishing for the weekend and for vacations and um, getting to do what I love and what my passion is helps me to stay controlled, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, on the backside of that, I also meditate every day. I try and meditate for a half hour each day. That is not always possible. That um, is a long, that feels like a long time. I That would be a goal. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a 10 minute girl. <laughs> yeah, I was too. <laughs> I was for two years. Yeah. I started, I did 10 minutes for two years every day because I joke that I'm, I'm very, um, and I don't use this loosely, but very ADHD. It's, I am an idea girl. I I can Mm -hmm. have 50 million ideas and it's getting focused and finishing those that it's the hard thing. So 10 minutes was a lot for me because my brain really wants to wander. Um, but the more you do it on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. then you get to the point where you almost crave, oh God, I wish I had five minutes more right. or I wish I had 10 minutes more. And for me, it's a butterfly feeling in my heart. Mm-hmm. Like I really am like, oh, I just reached this level of nothing else around me matters. And I, it's a euphoric feeling and I crave longer and longer. So I'm at a half hour. I wish I was at an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you, um, what time of day do you meditate? I meditate at the end of my hikes or, or in the middle of my hike. So morning okay. always. Um, and at the end of that, uh, this is what my Facebook page, Get Grounded, started with, was setting an intention and how to do that. Um, so at the end of my meditation, I set an intention for my day. Mm-hmm. And that might be, um, it's usually for me an attitude that I am going to exude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm because I can slip off so easily because oh, sure. of my conditioning. Right. I like to be in control and I don't like to be inconvenienced and I don't like to be uncomfortable. So the minute that those things arise and they threaten me, I am in danger of reacting like a fool. <laughs> so Carrie, I'm really hearing you encouraging others to get into the routine of taking care of themselves and, and so, and like soul care versus self-care, right? Being out in nature, moving your body, finding time for stillness and quiet, staying off your phone. Okay. I heard that. I heard that. I just want you to know, I heard it. I heard it. We do unplugged Sundays too, which I know it's a nightmare with a teenager. He hates me on Sundays. Um, but it is. How does he keep his Snapchat streaks going? Well, (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know. Are you kidding me? We have literal. I can't tell you. I I am in everything with you know figuring out how. Oh, totally. 
my oldest. And at one point I took his phone from him over something. I can't even remember what it was. And he said, can I just log on for five seconds to keep my Snapchat going? (laughs) This is not real. Yeah, I know. Right. You just like, fine. It is important. It is important to them. Yeah. I give them an hour and a half in the mornings on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's nice. You get an hour and a half on your phone or video games or TV or whatever you want on a Sunday morning, wake up slowly. And then the rest of the day, it's not just the kids, the rest of the day, every single one of us will not be on a screen and will most likely be outside because I am a huge believer in that vitamin D. Um, And just being out in nature, it puts everything in perspective and... um, it for me creates this place of separate self, which I'm sure you've you know studied and heard all about. But it's um, having the distance, enough distance from my thoughts yeah. to create some clarity. Yeah, I think about that as like an outside observer, creating my expanding my observer. Yes, and for me, and for my family, and for the clients that I'm teaching, that happens the most easily in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I am I am definitely encouraging self-care but also soul care. I yeah. love that. Um getting to know who you were born to be before mm-hmm. the world got a hold of you. Mm-hmm. And really trying to speak that through kindness, compassion, empathy and knowing yourself at all times. Because okay. when you give that away, you attract more people to you and that includes your teenage kids. Yeah. Yeah. So in the context of being living a grounded life and and engaging in all of this soul care and being your most authentic self, what does a joyful courage mean to you, Carrie? I love that question. So joyful courage to me, um, first I was toying with things like, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about choosing happy. And for some reason, I don't like that term. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what came up first, choosing happy. And then I thought, no, 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 joyful courage is not choosing happy. It's kind of about finding the joy in being brave enough to parent differently Mm. and uh, finding a new path in order to allow our kids to be who they were born to be. And that's not always joyful. That it takes it takes a ton of courage to do that because you're you're going to be judged for it by the parents who like to by to, the judgers by the judger. <laughs> yes, you'll you'll be definitely judged by the judgers, and the connection with your children will grow exponentially. And in that, you see them taking on more responsibility and becoming more confident, and all the things that you had hoped for anyway. So. Mm-hmm. That's the joy inside of courage. Love it. Where can listeners find you and follow your work? They can find me at Get Grounded on Facebook. They can also, I have a YouTube channel that is also called Get Grounded. um, And there's lots of free resources on there. I did um, two different uh, month-long challenges. One was setting intention. The other one was a mindful marriage challenge. And they have my husband and I both on there, which is pretty interesting. Um, Was he excited about that? Because I recorded a podcast with my husband (laughs) yesterday and he was like, 
the toughest guest I've ever had. <laughs> oh, Casey. I joked to my sister, like, listen, I don't know that we'll be doing a heck of a lot of podcasts and stuff together because we are best friends. I mean, I love this man and he's a nightmare to work with and he thinks the same about me. So, <laughs> so yes, it was fun and fruitful, but uh, frustrating for sure. I am so excited to check it out. Yes. And then I also have a blog. It's um, groundedblog.com. And those are my three main avenues right now. I'm, I just gave up my office and I'm doing a heck of a lot of writing, getting ready to create a podcast Great. and um, just trying to create because that's where my light comes from. Yay. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. I love your site and your podcast is amazing. What a gift to have Carrie Foreman on the show this week. I am so glad that I got to share that conversation with you. And as you probably noticed, we totally had a great time (laughs) in conversation with each other. And yeah, so let me know what you thought about that. How does control get in your way? What is the balance and presence of mind? What does that mean to you? I would love to hear your takeaways from this show. The best place to go to share those takeaways would be right into the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group. Are you a member? If not, search for it on Facebook. There'll be a link in the show notes and ask to join. It is a really positive, safe, encouraging place for parents to come together and have conversation about the things that they are currently being challenged by. And the good news is the people in the group are all coming from the same place of relationship-based, skill-building, parenting mindset right? So you're not going to get people that say things like, that kid just needs a good swipe on the bottom. No, you're going to get people that that er- want to encourage you and that will notice your strengths and that will have suggestions that are, you know, going to be actually helpful and will be suggestions that maintain the dignity of your child and yourself. So Join us in the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, please. And are you listening to the podcast through iTunes or through a podcast app on your smartphone? If not, I I encourage you to do so. Please do it because the good thing about being a subscriber to the show is you automatically get each new episode. You don't have to wait for me to post it on social media. You don't have to wait to see what the link is to the website, right? You get it straight to your device, straight to your computer, your tablet, your phone, whatever you listen through. When you're a subscriber, you get to do that and you will see the link to find me through iTunes or Google Play in the show notes. So check the show notes. Um, I'm super excited to be moving into the summer with all of you when this show goes live. It will be uh, the 4th of July. Whoa, that's trippy. That's crazy. No, it won't be the 4th of July. It will be the last week of June. Gosh. So I'm getting ready to leave town. I'm leaving on Saturday and I'm taking seven full days to drive down to Newport Beach from outside of Seattle. So I'm trying to get ahead of myself and 
get these shows dialed in for you. And clearly it makes my head a little bit loopy. So it'll be the end of June. Most of us in the Western hemisphere, our kids will be out for summer. Routines have shifted a little bit. I'm hoping that you listened a few episodes ago to Melissa Benaroya talk to me about structures and routines, hoping that you've had those conversations with your kids. Know that I will continue to come to you every week. The podcast will carry on through the summer. I am alternating interviews with solo shows. Did you hear last week's solo show? What did you think? Did you like it? I hope you liked it. If you didn't like it, well, that's okay. I can't be, I can't please everybody. That's what I tell myself. Not everybody's going to love me, but I'm hoping that you took away some great tidbits from that show. I'm hoping that you're walking away from this really exciting and fun and juicy conversation that I did with Carrie with some, some action tools and steps. And uh, just know that I'm here for you. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Joyful Courage. You can shoot me an email, Casey at joyfulcourage.com. If you or somebody that you know is interested in one-on-one coaching, I am opening up my coaching practice. The doors are opening for late July. I have 10 spots to fill for one-on-one coaching. If that's something that's interesting to you, if you want more information about that, shoot me an email, Casey at joyfulcourage.com, and we can explore if it's a good fit for you right now. All right. So big love to you all, my friends. Make sure these long summer days that you're taking care of yourself, you're getting in your self-care, you're getting in your soul care, right? Your soul care. How are you taking care of your soul so that you can be ever better in showing up for your kids? Take care of yourself. Find some time for you. Hug and squeeze those babies. And I'll see you again next week. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayeni, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.